photograph is like a quotation or a maxim or proverb. Each of us mentally stocks hundreds of photographs subject to instant recall. Welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and welcome to episode 137 for the middle of June 2020. Roughly the middle of June. I'm a little late with this, and uh, it's going to be another uh, Lone Wolf uh, podcast, and uh, just me today. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit different, maybe. I don't know how different it is, but uh, a little thinking about what I wanted to do for the show. And of course, it's, sometimes it's always a struggle to come up with something new to talk about. But, um, and, I, and I don't think I've done this before, but the way I, I have an essay that I wrote uh, for the uh, unusual collective, my photography collective that I'm part of, uh, Ward is in that, and uh, David Swiduck and uh, Max Sokolsky and Mark Ryerson. And uh, we have a website, the uh, un unusual what is it? Unusual photographer, excuse me, unusual collective dot photography. So go to that website and you can see it's a um, five or six of us. And we actually started writing up essays about photography, including our pictures and stuff like that, really just to talk about photography and the kind of the stuff that we're talking about as a group. And uh, I've got a couple of essays up there. And what I decided to do is like, you know, because we're not very well known, I don't think we've gotten a lot of traction on the website, but I was rereading the, uh, the essays the other day and I was realizing how I thought how good they were. And so I thought, well, you know, I don't really have a, you know, a real strong, um, subject for, for this, uh, this episode, but I thought, what if I just read one of my essays and, and see where it goes from there and what the, what the thoughts uh, come up after I've, uh, you know, read it and, and, uh, uh, recorded it for the show. And, you know, I do have some thoughts and it's based on, uh, some, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that till the end, my thoughts about the, uh, you know, the essay and what, what came up, but, um, it, it did spring up a little bit from some ideas sprung up a little bit from some comments I saw on, um, YouTube on, uh, the photographic eye comments about the podcasting and photography. So I'll just leave it at that and I'll, I'll bring that up at the end and uh, we'll see, but let's, let's, you know, it's not going to be a very long show. The essay is kind of short. <laughs> so, uh, and then we'll see how long I can, uh, I can talk at the end, but anyway, uh, let's get right into it. This is, um, an essay from the unusual collective, uh, my photography collective, and, uh, let's just get right into it. born and raised in New York City. I grew up amongst the skyscraper valleys, the grimy streets, and the rushing crowds. The noise, the crowds, the dirt, and oh, the light. Ever since I was a kid, I noticed the light in the city. There are times when the light totally transforms the city into something ethereal. Sunny days in the autumn and winter make for long, sharp shadows and light bouncing around and reflecting off anything made of glass. Weird reflections and slivers of sun cut through the streets, illuminated shafts of brightness, surrounded by intense shadows. During the summer, 
The hazy light tricks eyes into thinking buildings are farther away and much larger than they really are. When thunderstorms roll in, the soft incidental light bouncing off the tall storm clouds gives an ethereal, almost otherworldly look to everything on the street. I grew up marveling at the city of light. It's possible because of where and how I grew up, I was destined to become some kind of visual artist. As a kid, my mom used to take me to the many museums and galleries New York is so well known for. Going to photography shows with her was a common outing. W. Eugene Smith, Irving Penn, Dwayne Michaels, Gordon Parks, Bernice Abbott, Robert Maplethorpe, just to name a few. Growing up without the internet meant the only way I could see a photographer's work was in books or museums or galleries. I was able to spend a lot of time with a small number of very good photographers. On the other hand, if a photographer didn't have a published book or a story in a magazine or a show somewhere, I didn't easily get to see their work. I was particularly drawn to photographers who shot New York City. Why? Because it was my home, of course. I love to go to some of the same locations where these artists set up their cameras and see for myself how much the city had changed and how much it stayed the same. I would walk around and say to myself, oh, Eugene Smith shot this street, or Bernice Abbott stood here and shot that building. I was so steeped in these photographers' work, their images became part of what I'd like to call my photo DNA. Because I've seen their images over and over again, I often evoke their work when I spot something I want to photograph. This doesn't mean I copy their work, but I try to ask myself, is this what they might have been thinking about? Is this the feeling they were trying to capture? Photo DNA works in the background. It's a jumble of imagery that floats around in the back of my mind. And when everything is aligned just right, it manifests itself when I want to take a photograph and even when I process a photograph. It's not something I'm aware of when it's happening. Having this library of images in my head certainly influenced what and how I photograph. How could it not? We're flooded with imagery today. You scroll through Instagram or Flickr on a daily basis seeing hundreds, if not thousands of photographs. This doesn't count all the photos you see by just living your life in magazines, on bus stops, in your email, etc. Your memory retains a vast majority of these images you see daily. In fact, you only need to see an image for a fraction of a second for it to impress itself onto your brain. This image bank you have in your head influences you in how you make your photos. I'm not saying it's that it's necessarily a direct influence and that you copy images you remember. What happens is you may take a piece from this image in your memory and take a piece from that image in your memory and end up creating something that's uniquely your own. Photo DNA builds up in us over the years. All those images you're bombarded with daily, do you know what happens to them? They're stored away and mashed up into your visual subconscious. They talk to you when you put the camera to your eye. I know they talk to me, whispering just quietly enough to guide me towards the images I make. It might sound like I'm saying that there's nothing original in what we create. No, it's not like that at all. Everything we make is a unique creation because we make it. Am I influenced by all the imagery I've seen over the years? Absolutely. Smith, Penn, Abbott, Instagram, Flickr, Nike ads. They've all had some part of my creative process. For some, the barrage of visual stimuli can be an annoyance. To me, it's a valuable part of the building my unique visual voice. With the camera to my eye, I remember and I see.
So there you have it, my essay called I See and I Remember from uh, the Unusual Collective website. That's unusualcollective.photography. Uh, you know, I was going to call it photo DNA initially, but, uh, you know, it was a little weird with that. But anyway, the quote from the beginning is from uh, Susan Sontag. And I realized that uh, in previous shows, I have not been mentioning who the quote is from. Uh, that's coming from the way I've I've been producing the podcast and it's just it was hard for me to uh actually come up with the quote after ward and i were talking usually i come up with the quote after ward and i have done a show or after i've recorded a show then i'll come up with the quote afterwards so it's kind of hard to record the quote while it has it doesn't exist yet but anyway this time uh it's from susan Tontag, and i picked her because what i wanted to talk about a little bit why i you know i have this essay and um about photography and what sort of prompted me a little bit to do this today was after the uh, show with Alex Kilby from the photographic eye, I was looking at his uh, YouTube comments. Uh, actually, he posted up this podcast uh, in a poll about what other podcasts that people listen to. And there was a whole list of comments and whether or not people listen to photography podcasts and what they were. And, and there was like a handful of people who talked about not, being able to listen to photography podcasts because they like the visual and I'm nothing against that at all. I'm not, but it made me think about this, that how, how difficult be able to do a podcast, an audio only method of describing a visual uh, medium, which is photography and how, how difficult that can be. And so I went and I found uh, Susan Sontag's book on photography, which is an entire book written about photography. And it's just written. There's no photographs in it whatsoever. We're meant to read and use our mind's eye. And I thought that was interesting. You know, it's one of the premier books about photography. And it's a little bit heady for me. I mean, I've read it. A, I haven't read it through all the way. And sometimes I have to pick it up and read it again because I think my brain just does not work at the level that she's writing. But I can see the importance of it and I can see how it is to spend time thinking about photography and then having to either write about it or or talk about it, you know, in a, in a, in a without seeing the actual pictures. So in the comments on that video or in that poll, I should say, people were talking about how they rather see things on YouTube or see it visually, I guess, maybe even, you know, in a, on a web page or something like that and not necessarily hear about a podcast. And I really thought about the, sh the challenge it is to do a, sh to a show like this. And, you know, when we talk to photographers, I know there's other podcasts about photography, so it's not terribly challenged. I mean, well, it's a challenge, but you know what I mean? It's not unique. There are other, uh, and, and there's plenty of you listening to this show. And so you find some value in it, but it made me think about this, like how to really talk about pictures in an, in an audio way. And why did I pick that essay? Well, mainly because, you know, it was, it's written form and I thought, well, it'd be really interesting to speak it. Right. You know, but you don't have the pictures to see, you know, that I put with the article and I'll link the article in the show notes so you can see it. Actually, if you just go to unusual collective dot photography, you'll see the essays there from, uh, from the rest of the unusual group. And, uh, we did include pictures with it. So you get to read and see the pictures, but this idea of like, 
combining words and pictures and but doing it with an audio only way like describing what a photograph looks like and trying to trying to use those words in our head to describe what you see to a to an audience that has to imagine it i mean of course you could go to the website and look at pictures while you listen to this but i just wanted to talk about that challenge and it just made me think about like well you know it's not so easy to describe photography you know in in an audio way for me it isn't i mean i can i'm a visual person and I, that's why i became a photographer i didn't become a writer because i don't have like i have good words but i don't have a lot of words <laughs> you know like and i actually became a photographer because i i couldn't draw either it was the way for me to express myself and so it's interesting that I decided to get involved in a podcast where I'm talking about pictures uh, and using perhaps more limited vocabulary. <laughs> now, I'm not putting myself down, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't think at a certain level where I think my my voices can really articulate, you know, what it is I'm seeing all the time. It's nice to pair up with someone like Ward or anybody that we're talking to on the show because it just adds to that you know, visual vocabulary. I can, I can, um, I can start seeing things in a different way. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling here a little bit, but I wanted to bring that into the conversation that, that, you know, I just sort of assumed that doing a podcast about photography and it would be, you know, everybody's cup of tea. And it's interesting to see that it isn't and that people choose not to listen to a podcast because, you know, they, uh, on photography, because it's a visual medium. And, you know, how do you deal with a visual medium when you're listening, you know, on a, you know, a set of headphones while you're driving, you know, and uh, you can use your mind's eye to some extent, but, but not everybody can do that. And it's just, it, it becomes something that I, you know, I'm thinking about and, you know, whether or not this will translate at some point to, to doing some sort of visual version of it. In fact, I was talking with uh, my other unusual collective partner friend, uh, David Swiduck, and, uh, you know, this idea of like combining, you know, photographs and audio into maybe even a visual medium or even like including an audio rendition of what the, the thoughts are trying to get out with a page of photo photographs so that you would click on a, you know, on a web page and you would see uh, an audio um, recording and you would then scroll through the pictures at your own leisure while you would listen to an essay being read. So somehow combining both of those mediums. I mean, nothing new here, but kind of new for the way I would like to, you know, probably present work. So it'd be interesting to hear what you guys say. If anybody's got thoughts about this, drop drop me a line and uh, let's see where this goes. Let's see what happens with this, you know. But um, this idea of you know, writing about photography or, uh, or or speaking about it and not seeing the visuals. You know, how do we use our mind's eye? And you know, that thing I was talking about, photo DNA, that that all sort of exists. We, I mean, we it's, we start with pictures and we embed them into our mind, into our uh, our memories, uh, and we recall them as we as we can. But we recall them when we're when we're taking pictures and when we're talking. Like, I guess the idea of a you know a podcast, even like when Ward and I are talking, is like if we were sitting around a bar, you know having a couple of beers you know we may not necessarily have these photo books with us to talk about we would have to then discuss the pictures just from memory you know and and because our photo dna the way i'm calling it our photo dna all those images are embedded in our mind it's it's kind of easy for us to recall those and maybe put them to words you know so anyway that's just a, a bit of a rambling it's a bit of a short show i get it uh, but it's the middle of summer and you don't want to have your headphones stuck in your ears too long listening to me. So anyway, you know where you can find me at AM Rosario on Twitter, at AM Rosario Instagram. 
go check out unusualcollective.photography. Uh, give us a give us a shout out. Write some comments there and see what we have to say. And uh, yeah, you know, unofficially uh, supported by Ornis Photo O R N I S P H dot P H O T O. Go buy lenses from Ornis Photo Manual Focus lenses. And uh, anyway, I will uh, see you next episode, probably with Ward and maybe with a, you know, maybe we'll have an interview then. So uh, have a great rest of June and see you at the end. Bye.